Hello, I'm Mike Baselli, your host for this podcast and the global community that has rallied around it. During this episode, and since it is National Nurses Week, we brought LinkedIn's top nursing influencer, national thought leader, author, and innovation evangelist onto the podcast. Dr. Bonnie Clipper is the Chief Clinical Officer at WAMBI and was the first Vice President of Innovation for the American Nurses Association, where she created the innovation framework that is inspiring 4 million registered nurses to transform health through nurse-led innovation. Before these roles, Bonnie spent more than 20 years in executive nursing roles. Given the superhuman efforts our nurses are bringing to their profession during the COVID-19 pandemic, I felt it was vital for us to understand better what these heroes are going through, what is needed most at this time, and what the nursing profession will be like in the future. I'm fortunate for us to be able to learn from Bonnie so we can do our part to better help some of our nation's bravest citizens. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Dr. Clipper, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us on our podcast today and for sharing your perspective regarding the coronavirus and the impact this pandemic has had on some of our nation's heroes, our nurses. And given this is National Nurses Week and you are widely considered a go-to thought leader in the nursing profession, I'm especially thankful to have you on the podcast this week. Oh, it is so much my pleasure, Mike. Thank you for asking. Well, Bonnie, I'm eager to learn from you as to where things currently stand with the pandemic for our nurses and where the nursing profession is heading for the long term. But before we dive in, a bit of housekeeping. For our audience, while listening to any of our episodes, please make sure to join our online community at passionatepioneers.com in order to share feedback and ideas with our guests and to interact with the entire community. Lastly, subscribe to the podcast so you will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, Bonnie, I'd first like to start by asking you where things stand in the nursing industry due to the coronavirus outbreak. What are some of the biggest challenges currently our nurses are facing and what is needed most for them at this time? And for our audience, we are recording this episode during the week of May 4th. It's important for me to date these coronavirus episodes due to how fast the situation is changing. So with that, Bonnie, I'll open it up broadly for you and can't wait to hear your perspective on where we currently stand with our nursing profession. Great. Thanks, Mike, for teeing that question up. So I would say from a status perspective, I think now more than ever, nurses are on stage in front of the world. And this is the year of the nurse and the midwife. This really isn't what we had in mind when that year was designated by the World Health Organization. So from a nursing perspective, everyone is able to see the contribution of nurses. And it's beyond just an incredibly strong group of over 4 million registered nurses in the United States of people that are compassionate and empathetic. They're brilliant. They're critical thinkers. They're selfless. They are out there giving every day along with their colleagues. It takes a team. So nurses do an incredible job and they work very, very closely with their physician colleagues and respiratory therapists and everyone else, support staff, everyone else on the team. 
What we know right now is that we still do have some issues. We've lost over 27 healthcare workers in the United States, and that number was actually as of a week ago, so it's likely to be higher right now. And it's kind of heartbreaking when this happens. And it's a really strange, almost a dichotomy of conversation here. I have nurses that reach out to me and chief nursing officers and nurse leaders and even physicians on LinkedIn weekly. I'm probably now getting close to 100 LinkedIn messages. And they'll tell me, keep speaking up because we still do not have adequate PPE. I'm reusing the same mask and this is week three. Had one of those messages this morning. I had a a text conversation with the CNO last week that said, I've lost my third staff member. Please make sure people realize this is real. It isn't being blown out of proportion. It isn't a hope. I've had a conversation with someone that was a little bit of an uncomfortable conversation, whereas engaging on LinkedIn, it was someone that kind of said, hey, this is what you signed up for. And that sort of pushed a button not only in me, but in many nurses that actually responded to me through messaging to say, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't what we signed up for. We signed up to provide care for patients. And that's what we'd love to do. We never signed up to be in front of pandemics unprepared, to not have adequate protection, to not have adequate supplies. We never signed up for that. No one did. So we have to be careful at the words we use and how we use them. We are all on the same team. So from a nursing perspective, they still are right up there along with their physician colleagues, their respiratory therapy colleagues leading the charge on this. So I am so proud to be a nurse, and I am so proud of the work that's going on, but it's the real deal. So people really do need to recognize that and continue to show gratitude and recognition for that work. Well, I want to go back to that, Bonnie. I think you brought up a very important point at this time, because I've heard that as well. I'm very fortunate to work alongside and collaborate with a lot of nursing leaders around the country. And I've heard the same thing that, oh, well, this is what you signed up for. No, they did not sign up for being vulnerable. Did they sign up? to take care of the sick and the people that needed that care? Absolutely. And they would do it for any pandemic or otherwise. I think what the big problem here is, Bonnie, and help us out is, like you said earlier, the lack of PPE, the lack of preparedness that we had. Why were we so woefully unprepared as an industry or as a nation in order to be able to deliver to our frontline care providers like our nurses the equipment that they need to be able to take care of our sick? Well, I think that's a really complex question and certainly a complicated answer, right? We've never seen the sheer volume of patients requiring PPE as we have right now. The way that PPE works is that it's a practice around infection control that when a patient comes in and they require that a caregiver wear PPE, we wear it into that room, we take it off and throw it away, and the next time we go back in that room, we put fresh stuff on. You can imagine that if you have, you know, probably your normal run rate worth of patients, your hospitals, your healthcare systems, your clinics, everyone has supply that is more than adequate for that number of patients. What happened here is a couple of different complex issues. We saw the number of those patients literally just ramp up overnight. So instead of the handful or two or three that we might normally see in a hospital, even if you have 40, 50, it's not 100, right? 
every person going into that room has to be adequately prepared. So you can't discard it every time. And there's a couple of things. The goalpost moves a little bit on this, right? We're supposed to discard it after every use. Well, then all of a sudden it was okay to reuse it. And there's still a whole lot of, you know, the jury's out. Was it, is it okay to reuse it only because we don't have enough for fresh PPE every time? And the CDC changed their mind a few times, right? So did they change their mind because it's really okay? Or did they change their mind because there isn't enough stuff, right? So that, that in itself creates a lot of confusion, a lot of mixed messaging. It's, and you're talking about smart people that work in our healthcare system. So they kind of see the mixed messaging and start to get nervous about what's going on here. So that's part of the issue. The other part of the issue, and I am not a manufacturing expert, but from a supply chain perspective, much of this is imported. We don't manufacture it here in the United States in mass. Therefore, it's just more difficult to get from abroad, especially at a time that everyone is really protecting their own countries. So I think that that contributed as well. I've had nurses send me, uh, I actually got a text weeks back of a nurse that sent me a picture of their break room and they all had a paper bag with their name written on it with their uh, N95 mask inside that they're supposed to be reusing. So we've just done things that are extreme that we've never done them before, trying to get through this as best we can. Wow. That is intense. And I feel for those nurses, it's, uh, it is a tough battle out there. And speaking of a tough battle, Bonnie, you mentioned a little bit ago that we've now lost approximately 30 of our frontline workers. And unfortunately, I know that number is going to grow. But what have you been seeing in the industry and, and working with, alongside your colleagues in regards to the mental well-being of our nurses? Are any of these health systems doing anything proactively? Are there resources out there for them? And even before maybe answering that, how are they doing in regards to their mental health? This has got to be absolutely traumatic for our frontline nurses. Oh, it's incredible. And I think there's a step, you know, that I don't want to miss and kind of leap over. One of the pieces that we've seen that I think is becoming an unfortunate kind of ugly piece of this is that as nurses and physicians are speaking out about the lack of PPE, they're being told by their healthcare systems, by their employers, not to do that. In fact, there are nurses that have been fired for it. There are physicians that have been fired for it. And it's unfortunate because it creates a polarity where we're working against each other and the systems in the hospitals begin to see it as certainly speaking negatively about us as the organization and it's an affront. Really, that's not the way that nurses mean it. Nurses are trying to do it to draw attention and put pressure on organizations to actually provide adequate equipment. I saw as I was out doing some reading this morning um, there actually are nurses around the country just doing little protests saying, I don't have adequate PPE still, right? We're what, week seven, week eight into this, we still don't have adequate PPE. So I think as we see that go on, it isn't nurses that are being flamethrowers or physicians that are being pot stirs. They're really trying to bring attention to the fact that we still don't have what we need to and we, we have to have it. We all hear this is wave one, we have wave two that's supposed to be bigger and wave three. So we got to figure this out very quickly or we are going to lose more. From a mental health perspective, Mike, we're actually, that's really what's kind of creeping up behind this is that while we know we have this infectious process and, and we're dealing with the virus in its own waves, what we're going to see is just an unprecedented number of healthcare workers that are impacted 
from a mental health perspective with things like anxiety, depression, PTSD, relationship issues. I actually blogged on this last Friday and put something out there because the more that I'm actually interacting with nurses on the front lines, chief nursing officers, my physician colleagues, it's real. And we heard so very unfortunately about a physician that actually committed suicide last week. I'm very, very concerned that there's going to be more of that. I will say we are seeing organizations, uh, the American Nurses Association actually has partnered up with Johnson & Johnson, and they are doing some work around the mental health and wellness of nurses. So we are starting to see some resources emerge. This is going to be a long-standing issue that very likely plagues at least the next generation of nurses. It's going to be a huge toll on us. In regards to these leading associations, some of you just mentioned, you know, we were already as an industry experiencing shortage in regards to professionals filling the void for the massive need of nurses and working professionals. Have you been seeing anything in regards to some of our leading associations or governing bodies or, you know, the industry at large? How are we going to continue to fill this gap? I mean, are we doing better work at getting to students that are at a younger age to show them the importance of nursing or show them the opportunity for a nursing career? Have you been seeing anything there so we can help continue to figure out to solve for the shortage that is probably now even more acute given COVID-19? Yeah, so that's a really great question. I am seeing a couple of different things here. I'm actually hearing um, from nurses, including chief nursing officers, that I would say are probably more in that boomer generation that are basically saying, I'm out. When this settles down, I'm out, I'm scared, this is going to impact my health and potentially my partner, my husband, my spouse, this is going to impact us. So there is a time that this isn't for me, this isn't what I signed up for. Also talk to even some younger nurses that are like, you know, this is kind of a lot to deal with. So I love giving patient care. This is really going to have an impact on me. And I'm looking at another area of nursing, maybe instead of direct patient care that I can pursue. And then certainly this is also in a converse way, this has created a calling for many that are like, I want in. I want part of this. This is exactly what I want to do. And I would almost say that the comparison here is some of the impact that those army recruiting commercials had on people after 9-11 right? There are just people that this speaks to. And it's like, wow, if you're a smart, bright young person, there's nothing better than to get into healthcare and to jump in. So I think we see a mix of things. From my perspective, I have kind of a a unique little lens to view this world. Yes, there's a shortage. However, that's based upon how we provide care today and our models of caring. Right. So as we continue to innovate what those models look like, we are going to incorporate more technology. Technology is going to be a force multiplier and it is going to be a way to leverage everything that we do in in nursing and in medicine. And I think that that's going to help us distribute nurses very, very differently. Well, let's talk about that, Uh, Bonnie. You were the first vice president of innovation at the American Nurses Association. 
a national a thought leader in regards to bringing innovation to the profession. Uh, you've been on the front lines. You are what we like to call the early adopter on the bell curve for innovation, and you are all in on it. I've followed your work for quite some time. And the ideas that you have around innovation to help with the patient experience and to help with our nursing frontline staff are just very provocative. And now what you were talking about for years before are now really coming to life in big, big ways and happening faster and faster. So let's touch upon that a little bit more, Bonnie. We're talking about telehealth here. That is exploding. We're seeing the regulatory environment loosen. We're seeing the massive explosion with wearables and remote monitoring and asynchronous communication. We just saw CMS approve being able to bill in regards to telephone visits. Where do you see it continuing? Will will this trend line continue? Are we going to revert back after the pandemic? What does it mean for innovation? What does it mean for the connected patient, for nurses, with their patients? Yeah, this is a really cool part of healthcare, nursing, medicine that is changing. So literally overnight, six weeks ago, we saw the regulatory and reimbursement walls be torn down to allow virtual health telehealth visits to be essentially billed and compensated at very much the same as an office visit. That we've seen organizations such as uh, Cleveland Clinic, who did about 3,000 visits through telehealth a month, who are now doing 60,000 a month, right? That's just an example of one organization. There's actually OSF in Chicago that's exploded by over 400%. So these kind of numbers are going to continue. What's also going to be here to stay is that while there need to be some mitigators on this to make sure that the system is not fraught with fraud and abuse, things of that nature, patients are not going to go back to office visits and sit in a waiting room and get germy and get nervous while they're there. So I think very much while we have providers, nurse practitioners, physicians, PAs on the provision side becoming much more comfortable with telehealth and virtual care, patients are the ones that I think are also going to drive much of this conversation. They are going to go back to the old way willingly. So I think that this is going to continue to increase for us. From a nursing perspective, there are many different applications on technology, I think, that are going to find new use cases. So we've seen remote monitoring in ICUs. It's been around for a very, very long time. We don't use it very much. Quite often, it's kind of expensive. It's a little bit iffy. We set up these remote monitoring rooms. Generally, they're in a healthcare system, kind of corporate office building. And we set up a room. We have a bunch of nurses in there that do some pretty intense monitoring of patients. It's very, very effective. It's another set of eyes and ears on a patient. Often, the patients are in an intermediate care or an intensive care setting. Let's start to deploy that out more. Let's pull that into med surge rooms. Let's use that in assisted living. Let's use that in long-term care. And let's also change the paradigm so we don't put all these people in one place in an office building with the right protections and the right security. Why can nurses not monitor those patients from their own homes? So we can actually change that. What it does is it actually helps You can imagine in a situation such as a pandemic, it reduces the amount of time a human being has to interact with another human being. And certainly while there is a part of that that's very powerful for care and healing, there is also danger in that, as we're seeing right now with the number of healthcare providers and and caregivers that are being infected. So these are things that we're going to have to really work through in a very thoughtful and intentional way. But remote monitoring in my opinion, that has nowhere to go but up. 
So we should be seeing that installed in med surge rooms. We should be seeing that installed in women's health. Any kind of room, really, we can use another set of eyes and ears. What that does over the course of time is it does allow us to scale nursing models differently. And nurses are incredible natural innovators. So I think it's up to nurses to solve what those care models look like. I do get a question, whereas people will say, but wait a minute, if we use technology in that level and in that scale, aren't we building in the fact that some of these jobs may go away? My answer to that is the help isn't there to begin with. So how are we going to backfill to make sure that the quality doesn't diminish and we use technology to help us? So you think about the number of nurses who have retired. That is an incredibly powerful group of people to tap into who still have sharp skill sets and have much to offer, but maybe can't work in our long hauls and moving our patients and working 12-hour shifts, and maybe some are even fearful about becoming infected nowadays. Why not have those people? Let's hire them, cadres and cadres of them, to help us monitor patients that are on remote monitoring. So I think there really are ways to kind of change the paradigms. I think we're also going to take a look at where does the care have to happen? So many years we've heard that our hospitals really should be places for intensive care patients only. And patients that might be kind of a med surge level patient should be at home. Yet we don't do that. Why don't we do that? Because quite honestly, hospitals make money, right? Let's come up with different care models. I think we're going to see ourselves baking in home health agencies again so that we can deploy patients home after surgeries with appropriate care, whether that's nursing care, whether that's ancillary care, with remote monitoring, with wearables to track the progress of those patients and do it in a different setting. So I think we're going to see those things happen. And I, for one, am very excited about these new realities. You know, yes, the pandemic has just been an absolute tragedy, but I also see it as an opportunity for a phoenix to rise out of those ashes. And I think everything that you just shared, Bonnie, are some of those new realities to deliver care across our country and beyond. So thank you for that perspective and where you see things heading. I'd also like to turn a bit, too, on in regards to some of the things you're doing beyond just lecturing, teaching, and sharing thoughts to many of us in the industry. You're also the chief clinical officer over at Wambi, and you guys are on a mission to bring compassion to the forefront of human experience by recognizing and empowering compassionate care. Can you tell us a little bit more about what Wambi has been up to, but then also how are you taking your work at Wambi and applying it to COVID-19? I'd love to have that uh, story shared as well. Yeah, that's a wonderful, wonderful story. So we are really focused on humanizing care. And we do things differently than anyone else in this space. We're very unique. We harvest feedback in real time from patients and families, and we can share it right on through to care providers, to caregivers, actually to any employee. And we focus on what's going well. So we focus on the positive. We work very hard at three pieces, improving employee engagement, reducing clinician burnout, and enhancing the patient experience. So you can imagine that harvesting gratitude from a patient and their family and sharing it directly with clinicians, whether it's a provider or a frontline staff member, it's super powerful to get the thank you, to get that recognition from families, because it's heartfelt. They mean it and they send it at the time that they experience it. And what we hear from our, those that use our platform is 
it means so much to them to get these notes of gratitude or this thank you because they really don't just expect or anticipate that everyone feels that way. And some of the notes are just so powerful. I mean, I, I spend some time in the system reading them and they're beautiful. Patients have the most wonderful things to say. And our CEO does a fantastic job of every one of our staff meetings. She closes with what, what we call a care postcard, which is a note of gratitude. And a few weeks ago, one stuck with me. And it was actually one of our clients on their unit. They had a nurse who actually died of COVID. And it was the other uh, nurses on the unit wrote a note to her. It was beautiful. So the platform is incredibly powerful when you think about what gets shared because it's such an empathetic, deep experience for people. It's really, really cool stuff. We've had physicians who have said, you know, hey, I was looking for another job and I was going to leave until the chief medical officer shared this report with me that showed these comments from patients. I had no idea my patients felt this way about me. So it's incredibly powerful stuff by just focusing on the positive. And that's our space. We love doing it. And it's really, really having a positive impact. Wow, Bonnie, thank you for sharing that story. It gave me chills, man. We can hear the authenticity behind it and the mission you have over at Wambi. We do have a lot of industry executives and thought leaders and people listening in that I know can benefit from this platform. Bonnie, where can our listening community learn more about Wambi or get involved or get in touch with your team? Yeah, so our website is wambi.org. You can reach out to us there and we're pretty quick on things so we will get right back to people. And then certainly anyone can reach out to me. I am on Twitter at ThoughtLeaderRN and I am pretty prolific in LinkedIn. I'm actually the top nurse influencer in LinkedIn. So feel free to reach out to me and and follow me there, connect with me through a LinkedIn message, and I will always respond. I even respond to uh, my haters, but I think that's important to keep the dialogue going both ways, but they can find us. That's excellent. We'll also list all of those touch points uh, in the episode notes, as well as over at passionatepioneers.com. We'll have an entire article posted for Bonnie's episode where we'd also like to discuss and engage with each other to help each other out and figure out where we can continue to help Wambi, where we can continue to take Bonnie's ideas of where we can move this industry forward together. So Bonnie, in closing today and with Nurses Week here, thank you so much for all that you do to continue to push the envelope and to challenge the orthodoxy and to continue to make our industry better and healthier. I am incredibly appreciative of all of your leadership and your commitment to making our nursing profession even that much better and stronger. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you, Mike, for the opportunity to share the story of nurses. Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode. 